Jimmy Smith on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast. We discuss, can Calvin Cater bounce back from the beating he took at the hands of Max Holloway? Also, Big John McCarthy from Bellator comes on to discuss Ryan Bader and his title defense on the next Bellator show. Big moment for Calvin Cater this weekend against Giga Chikazi, a very talented striker, great kickboxer, knockout power. I could go on and on and on. So it's about, to me, a big part of this fight is how Calvin Cater comes back from his shellacking at the hands of Max Holloway. He went the distance, but he took a beating for 25 minutes. I thought the fight should have been stopped earlier than the end. Uh, and I've been his corner man. I would have stopped it. I thought he was getting absolutely killed. So how much does he bounce back? How much of himself does he leave in the octagon with that fight? Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these are questions. But at UFC Vegas 46 Media Day, this is what Calvin Cater had to say about that fight with Max Holloway. It didn't work out my way, but uh, like, like I said, man, I started that fight. I finished that fight the way I started on my own two feet. You know, he, he props to Max. He fought a hell of a fight. And uh, I definitely walked away from that fight with, um, you know, an understanding of kind of what he's doing and, and things I'll take in with me for not only this next fight, but future fights, you know, and I uh, look forward to a round six with the uncrowned champ. Okay. Uh, all right. Okay. Slow down, Jimmy. Think about this. He's saying what he's supposed to say. I've never heard a fighter say, man, I do whoop my ass. I want none of that, dude. It's very rare that a fighter will say that. They'll think it. They'll feel it. They won't say it. They won't say, I want none of that guy. He beat my ass into the ground. I want none. They don't say that. So I guess my first question, my first supposition is, how much does, uh, how much does um, he believe that? How much does Calvin Cater really think? How much does he really want a round six with Max Holloway? Does he really want that? I'd say deep down, no. He might say he does. Deep down, I think he would be really nervous getting in there against Max Holloway. You just can't take a beating like that and think everything. Remember, this wasn't a flash knockdown. It wasn't a flash knockout. It wasn't one punch. It wasn't one shot. Oh, man, you know, should have kept my hands up. It was a sustained beating where at one point Max Holloway was able to kick his ass, talk to the commentators, slip punches, and go back to kicking his ass. He wants none of this, dude. I really believe that. KOB, am I out of my mind? Or do you think he really does want a round six with, with uh, of course he has to say it, with Max Holloway. Do you think he believes it? <laughs> Uh-huh. No, no, here's the thing. New England guy, professional fighter. Yeah, he probably does believe it. New England, right? Yeah. I'll yeah. do round six. I'll go round <laughs> like- six. Sweet art. Sweet art. Morgan, sweet cheeks. Sweet cheeks. <laughs> oh, this is Johnny David's cousin, guy that I was telling you about. So- You're not taking me out that quickly, Holloway. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I could totally see it, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? I know you love you some Calvin Cater. Do you think he really wants Max Holloway? I'm honestly with Mike. Like, he literally was like, listen, I ended the fight how I started it on my feet. So With my face like, covered in blood. 
I didn't know where it's I was. That's not what he said. That's cool. Yeah, but I, I genuinely I'm think he would get here. back in there. Fighters are, they got a screw loose. He does have a screw loose. If he didn't have a screw loose, he got it knocked loose by Max Holloway. I definitely believe that. Uh, he got shellacked. So um, I haven't heard a lot of, and, and like I said, I did my breakdown for, for, for ESPN about this uh, yesterday. And I brought this up. I was like, hey, forget Giga Chikadze. Forget X's and O's. Forget boxer versus kickboxer, which is essentially how this is tactically. Uh, Calvin Kidder, a great puncher. Giga Chikadze, a great kicker. Great from the clinch, etc. It's not about the X's and O's. I'm really curious to see how much he has left in the tank, Calvin Kidder. I'm curious to see uh, if he left the bulk of his career, the best part of himself, got left in the octagon with Max Holloway and he'll never be the same guy. I'm really curious about that. There's a popular misconception, if you've never fought or haven't been around fighting a whole lot, I don't know, where uh, uh, people think the eyes wide shut, brutal knockout ends careers. It can. What's even worse is the long, sustained beating. If you go through that, it's usually much worse on you physically than getting a one-shot knockout. A one-shot knockout scares you. It is frightening. It's hard to get over mentally. Because once you know you're human, once you know you can die, you just see your life very differently. And in, in a fighting sense, um, it, it's, it's like discovering you're mortal. You got touched on the chin, they wake you up, you're on your stool, you don't remember what happened. Knowing how fragile our brains are, our consciousness, knowing how fragile that is, that, um, you know, that's, that's scary. And you want to protect yourself, you don't want that to ever happen again. You start thinking about it. It's like almost dying and you're a you know, race car driver and you realize how dangerous it is going 200 miles an hour. You might hit the brake a little bit more. Well, then you're not going to win a lot of races. Similar kind of thing, I think. So when I look at it this way, as, as it wasn't a knockout, but it was a long, sustained beating, that tends to take everything out of fighters. And my God, he took one of those. That was crushing. That was absolutely crushing. And also, there's the psychological side. Of Max Holloway wasn't better than Calvin Cater. He was levels better than Calvin Cater. And once you've been out there in a sport where you are ranked in the top 10, you have some great wins over some great fighters, and you take on Max Holloway, and it is a beatdown. And you realize the gulf between you and the elite of the elite. And, and right now, it's Holloway and Volkanovsky on an island by themselves. No disrespect to the Korean zombie. He's going to do everything he can to win that fight. But I truly believe Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway are on an island by themselves. They're that much better than the competition. Calvin Cater included. So Calvin Cater has to bounce back from a physical beatdown that really hurt him head to toe. And he has to bounce back from a mental, uh, the, the psychological difficulty of dealing with, man, I was not even a little bit competitive in a fight. 
against the number two guy in the world. Do you think he can bounce back from that and take on a Giga Chikadze who has looked very, very good, if not flawless so far in his UFC career? Can he bounce back from both of those things? KOB, what do you think? I wish he wasn't going into such a tough fight. That is, yeah, he's not not getting a softball, right? Yeah, like, I always say this is the biggest problem. But it's one of the other reasons why I kind of like what O'Malley's doing with his career, because that's kind of the boxing way of doing things. Is you keep fighting a couple guys who aren't ranked, and then you work your record up, and then you get more money, and then start to fight the bigger competition. I wish some of these guys would just go back to the well and take a tune-up fight coming off of a fight like that. Just get someone, get your confidence back, someone not that dangerous. It's just not the way it works in MMA. So, yeah, I, I kind of wish – I'm not saying he can't make a comeback off that fight. He's still pretty young. But, like, God, I wish he wasn't taking on Giga Chikadze first yeah. fight back. Yeah. And, and, oh, and once again, to bounce back from one of those things is tough enough. But I, I almost never see a fighter do it. I almost never. You know, Anthony Smith got beat up by Glover Teixeira, lost his next fight to Alexander Rakic, just got overpowered. Now, he's come back since then. But to have that one fight, that, that's tough to bounce back. Don't get mad at me, Kelly. I see the face you're making right now. It's very difficult to come back from something like that. And right now, um, Calvin Cater is um, Calvin Cater is having to come back against a very, very tough fighter. In a similar sense to Anthony Smith against Alexander Rockets. I mean, a very tough comeback fight after that. And he's got to bounce back from two things. Very, very tough. I know you're a big fan, Kelly Kell. Um, do you think you can bounce back from both those things, the mental and the physical side of it? Yes, I do. I also wish it wasn't such a tough fight with Giga Chikadze, yeah. but I don't think that he can't do it just because it's a tough fight. And keep Anthony Smith's name out your mouth. If you're, gonna, uh, if you're not uh, going to uh, mention <laughs> the round one finishes back to back uh, to back. He's on the street now. Okay, thank you, Kelly Kell. I'm being professional. I'm telling you it's hard to bounce back in your first fight after a fight like that. That's where we are. I'm not saying Calvin Cater can't come back eventually. The first one is rough. This is I a, have a very, very tough one. Yes, please. So in situations like this with Calvin Cater or an Anthony Smith where you take such a physical beating and yeah. ultimately a mental beating as well in a fight, can you – really tell from one fight back if they've left a huge part of them in that octagon or is it like a sustained thing where you need to watch them fight x amount of times afterwards it's usually a couple it's usually like all right let's you know over the long haul anthony smith has recovered well right he's won three in a row um he's recovered well i've seen fighters take beatings like calvin cater took against um uh, Max Holloway, and never be the same guy. Will this fight tell us? It, it'll be an indication. The number one is if you can't pull the trigger. If you're in there and you're gun shy and you're on your back foot and you're like, uh, I don't know if I, you know, Tyron Woodley can't, can't, just can't pull the trigger anymore, can't throw punches, that is almost impossible to come back from. Once you don't pull the trigger anymore, man, that's tough. But it usually takes a couple fights to show that. Now, if he looks terrible against Giga Chikadze, yeah, that's – but he'll get another opportunity. The UFC won't instantly cut him. He'll get another opportunity. Uh, but it is tough to come back from a beating like this in a lot of different ways. So uh, if he had an opportunity, and I don't know if he did, if his management had an opportunity 
I would have wanted a bounce back fight. I would have wanted. I know fighters always want the best fight. You know, I'm ready to go, coach. Put me in and I can do it. Fighters always say that. So it isn't on the fighter necessarily. If I were his people, if I was management, if I was coaches, I would tell the UFC, look, we, uh, I would, can we get one bounce back before Giga Chikazi? Can we get one? Eh, can we get one to see how my guy's doing? I already questioned their judgment in that they didn't stop this fight when it should have been stopped, in my opinion. Okay? Um, but to go right back in there after a year off against Giga Chikazi, who we can all admit has looked phenomenal recently. I don't know if that's the best thing for him. Yeah, you want to you know, get in there and get, get, get right back on the horse and all that crap. A smart coach might go, hey, look, we got to make sure you're, 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 you're match fit. And we can't always tell in the gym. You can tell some of it in the gym, but part of it is confidence. And confidence is, is one of the things that, that you know, you're, you're not simulating the fight in the gym necessarily. And when I look at the top ten, Arnold Allen at number seven, uh, Josh Emmett at number six. I would have said, actually, either one of those guys, uh, I would have taken on one of those before Giga. Giga just has a special kind of violence to him. And even though Josh Emmett and Arnold Allen are both ranked ahead of him, I would have taken even a Yair Rodriguez coming off the loss to Max Holloway. I, you know, Giga just has a special ability that is overlooked and it right, might really be his year. He might be catching Giga Chikazi at exactly the wrong time. I don't know, though. I don't know. This is tough. But I'm telling you, a 25-minute sustained beating is a hard thing to get over. Hey, everybody, this is Lindsey Rhodes. And with the NFL playoffs underway, what better time than now to check out my podcast, The NFL Road Show? We're going to break down the biggest games, key players, every angle in between with guests that go past the low-hanging fruit and get to what you really need to know. We'll have new episodes every Monday and Thursday all the way through Super Bowl 56 in my hometown of Los Angeles. So please subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included with most subscriptions. The voice of Bellator MMA, longtime referee, good friend of mine as well, Big John McCarthy. Great to have you, buddy. Jimmy Smith, what is up, my friend? <laughs> How you doing, my man? So, uh, had some time good. off. Yeah, enjoying the holidays, but uh, Bellator kicking off January 29th. Before we even get into that at all, uh, how has the, the, the shows on Showtime, how has that partnership worked from your perspective production-wise? How has it been over there, man? You know, it's been different. I think there's certain aspects that I think Showtime has really stepped up. I, I love their storytelling. Yeah. I love when they're getting into actually doing what – lets people know who these fighters are and what they're really about. And you know, all, they, they see them in the cage and they get that feel of, oh, this guy's a killer. But then they can actually see the real side, what the, the real person is like, not what the athlete is, and they get a, a feeling for it. And I, so I think that what Showtime has really brought in is that storytelling aspect that was kind of missing before. 
Um, so the first fight of the year, it's coming up Saturday, January 29th. Ryan Bader, Valentin Moldovsky, uh, champion versus interim champion. Does that add anything to a fight for you? Where interim championships, they happen. Uh, people usually aren't that enthused about them unless, of course, the champ is out for a while, moves weight classes, which would happen with Ryan Bader. Does it add anything to the fight for you to have that? Let's see who's number one. They both have a belt. You know, what it adds to me is I, I believe that most of the time I don't like the interim champions. I don't like those the, when the promotion does it because for the most part, it just doesn't make sense because everyone's going, he's not the champ. But in this situation, I thought it was the right thing to do. And, it's, you know, there are times when it is when the champion cannot compete and defend that belt in that weight class. You don't want that weight class to be on hold. And, and Bellator has put weight classes on hold at times for a long time. And you've got to have people with targets. They've got to have that, that arrow that they put on. This is, what, this is the guy I'm going after. And so when they, when they had the Tim Johnson versus uh, Valentin Moldovsky fight, I thought it was the right time to do that. And I really love the – what this fight is with Bader and Moldovsky, because Bader is a smaller heavyweight. Moldovsky's a smaller heavyweight. They're the new hybrid of the heavyweight weight class, if you're looking at it. But I never thought that Bader should have gone back to light heavyweight. I thought that was a bad move. And I, I think that moving up and down can cause you problems as a fighter because you've got to get settled in and be able to carry that weight in a normal fashion. So I think this is a great matchup. I think they both have their strengths. They both have their weaknesses. And being that it's the interim versus the actual undisputed, I, I kind of like it in the fact that we're going to see who's the best guy. Uh, speaking, of course, to Big John McCarthy, color analyst and voice of Bellator MMA, Vadim Nemkov. Knocked him out as initially took his title at light heavyweight and then suffering a knockout loss to Corey Anderson. Part of the question here is uh, the weight yo-yoing up and down and taking two bad losses. They were both at light heavyweight, not heavyweight. But that can be a hard thing to bounce back from mentally and physically. What signs are you going to look for early in this fight to see if Ryan Bader has put those losses behind him? I tell you what, the, the thing I always look for from Ryan Bader is I look to see if he gets on his back foot. I look to see, is he backing up? Is his opponent able to make him start to move backwards and not take the right angles that he normally takes when he's being successful and coming forward? So if Ryan Bader right away goes out there and establishes that he can be the guy to dominate the position and pace of the fight, he's going to do well. If he's not, and you got to figure that Moldovsky is teammates with Nemkov, and Nemkov figured out the system on what you need to do with Bader, so he's going to be practicing it. He's going to be having it in his game plan. I need to put this guy on his back foot. I need to make him move backwards. And if you see Bader moving backwards, it's probably not going to be a good night for him. Now, switching gears a little bit to Valentin Moldovsky. This is a guy undefeated in his Bellator career, but the last four he's won have been by decision. Timothy Johnson, Roy Nelson, Javi Ayala, Litton Vassell. They're all talented guys, but he went the distance with every single one of the all-unanimous decisions. But that idea of him not having necessarily finishing power, which has been kind of the kryptonite of uh, Ryan Bader in his losses, been finishing both of them, does that help? That he's not facing the hardest-hitting heavyweight in the world? Yeah, I do think that he's not facing a guy that's got that – 
big-time power that a lot of heavyweights possess. But he, he's, a, he's a big guy anyways as far as he does have power. It's just not that smashing power that you'll get out of certain heavyweights. You know, like, you know, there's guys like Ningano that, you know, they can sneeze in your direction and hurt you. And it's just yeah. he doesn't have that, but he does have a volume. And, and if you go back and watch some of his wins, and when he does get stoppages, he starts to put on a volume, and he's got power. It's just that he doesn't try to overthrow. He doesn't try to put you away with one shot. He wants to pour you into sinking into a tank that the water's now over your head, and you're just drowning under the pressure that he's putting on you. So it's good for Bader because he can test it. He can, he can actually sometimes walk through and say, I'm going to walk forward. I'm, I'm going to move. I'm not going to let this guy back me up because he can sit there and say, I can take his shot, but you can only take so many of them. That's very, very true. And Ryan Bader, unfortunately, has has sometimes made the risk when he shouldn't. And, you know, that'll eventually catch up to you in a lot of ways. So Benson Henderson versus Islam Mabedov. I was there when Benson Henderson was signed. I was there when he took on uh, Andre Korshkov. Didn't work out well for him. He's lost his last three after a respectable four-fight winning streak. Uh, what do you think his 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 what do you think he's fighting for now in terms of getting back to a title shot his legacy because uh, he loves to compete what do you think is motivating Benson Henderson after the career he's had what's motivating him in this fight to you man yeah well to me honestly and I've talked to Benson about that he wants that belt you know he, he's sitting there and he's saying look you know I want to be the champion of Belgium because I was the champion of the WEC I was the champion in the UFC. He goes, I have got to get that belt. And he has said those exact words to me. I have got to get that belt. That tells you what he wants. Now, the problem he's having is he's a guy that sometimes starts slow. He builds in fights. He's, a, he's not – if I was, you know, his trainer, I would never let Benson fight a, a three-round fight. I would say, no, we're fighting only five-round fights because he's always building and he, he's coming on in a lot of those – but he – he tends to give that first round away all the time. He's worked at coming in faster and starting faster, but he's getting older and just the little, and you know this, Jimmy, the little differences in speed make huge differences in the outcomes of fights. And right now he's getting hit with shot or he's getting put into positions where he's not able to get himself out in the fashion that he was able to when he was a little bit faster, a little bit younger. So, He's got a guy that he knows what Mamadov is going to do. He knows that Mamadov is going to come in and try to take him down, smother him, just like he did with Primus, because Benson's last opponent was Primus, and he knows what's going to happen. The question is, can he stop it, and can he score when Mamadov is making those attempts? Uh, when you look at, of course, I'm speaking to Big John McCarthy, color analyst for Bellator MMA. You, as someone who's been in the fight game as long as you have, uh, you see all the angles. How do you get a guy like Benson Henderson to kind of change his spot so late in his career? Because starting slow has been an issue really his entire career. If you're his coach right now, is it possible to change that in a guy? Or is it just this is what you get, man? You know, it, it's I hate to say, no, you can't change it. Because you can change anything. But to sit there and say that you can change it from one fight to the next, I don't think you can. It's, it's too ingrained, and it's, it's, it's been downloaded in your hard drive 
that, hey, I'm going to come out here. I'm going to feel my opponent out. I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to push anything. I'm not going to rush. I've got time to do this. And once that's established, that becomes your pattern for your fighting style. Now, I have seen Benson try to come out and change that. I did see it when he was fighting Michael Chandler the second time. I saw him coming out, and he was pressing the pace. When Chandler, you know, you could watch how Chandler, and you know this as good as anyone, you watch so many of Chandler's fights. Chandler had a, had a, he's got a pattern of when he wants to slow the fight down or catch a little bit of a, a breather. He'll do this bounce step back, and he'll yep. bounce back and kind of gain space. And you saw Benson closing that space right away. That was telling you, oh, look at what he's doing. He's trying to press this. He's trying to push the action of it. And so you could see that it was there. But it's got to be something that becomes natural. It can't be something that you're pressing and pushing out because it's not going to come all the time. But I have seen him try to improve that, you know, let's, let's step on the gas a little bit earlier. But I don't think it's any. it's something that – it takes both fighters for it to happen, and he's got to have an opponent that's going to make that happen. But I do think that Mamadoff, being a guy that needs to take Benson down, will at least give Benson the opportunities to score and to do damage to Mamadoff as long as he can keep Mamadoff from getting that takedown. Let's shift gears just a little bit. Of course, I'm speaking to Big John McCarthy, uh, color commentator for Bellator MMA. Uh, Bellator recently signed Pat Downey, great wrestler, All-American, uh, known for a lot of controversy. The guy got in a wee bit of trouble while uh, uh, wrestling in college, et cetera, et cetera. What are you talking, what are you talking what? about, Jimmy? What? what do you mean? Are you kidding me? He's an angel, an absolute angel. Yeah, you don't get kicked off of teams because you're a great guy. So, Taz got a little bit of trouble. Maybe he's past that. Uh, what I'm curious about in a more general way, I'm going to tell a story. I was there when Aaron Pico was signed. And we had this production call between us and Scott Coker. So it was production and promotion all kind of sitting down on this conference call. And I said, hey, how all in do you want us to go on Aaron Pico? How, I, like, how much are you pushing guys pushing in the chips? And they said, all the way, 100%. And I went, okay. And they went all the way, and he got you know, knocked out and choked <laughs> out in the same fight, right? So you as an analyst – how much do you go, man, Pat Downey, all the things he can do, da-da-da-da-da, but you also go, hey, this is MMA, and this is his first fight. How, how do you balance that? Because I've been in it myself with these, these guys that are hyped and da-da-da, but hey, dude, it's their first fight, and all kind of things can happen. How do you feel about that, man? No, I think you, you are so absolutely correct, and this is where people are like, because you as the analyst will go, look, Pat Downey's an unbelievable Physical wrestler. Physical talent, et cetera. Unbelievable yep. wrestler. But it's not wrestling. And it's that is just one element of our sport, and our sport has changed so much in the fact that one element will only get you killed <laughs> when you're fighting another good fighter. One element will not get you where you need to be. And so, you know, with Pat coming in, he's got all the credentials as far as the wrestling background. So he can keep the fight on the feet possibly if his stand-up is okay, or he can try to work at taking the fight to the ground, but it's different getting a takedown when you're in a cage than when you're on a mat. The mat has no walls that someone can balance off of it. You know, all these different things that occur. So I think with Pat, like anything, like, you know, I think Aaron Pico has proven he can be a phenomenal fighter. Take a look at what he's doing now. 
But when he came out and you were told, hey, all in is the future, and I can understand why they said that, he wasn't ready to be the future. He didn't know how to fight. He knew how to wrestle. Oh, he just put them together. And Pat is the same thing. you got to give him time. Yeah. And, and, and that's the interesting thing. The guy has a high ceiling in terms of physical talent and his wrestling background and all these things, but you don't know until it's there. Um, what do you know, and or what can you tell us? You might know more than you can tell us. Uh, of course, AJ McKee, super hot last year, defeating Patricio Pitbull, winning the 145-pound title. Uh, what do you know about his status and when we might see him next? Do you know anything you can talk about? You know, I, I only know certain things, and I know that AJ was – uh, looking to renegotiate his contract because it was coming to an end. He only had a certain amount of fights left on it. And he was looking for, you know, he, he wants as much as Looking he can get. to get paid. Listen, that's what he's supposed to do. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Show me right? the zeros on the end of the check. Yeah. But, you know, that's what, you know, he was in a position of, look, I, I'm ready to fight. I am ready to uh, go out and, and hold up my end of my contract. But if you want me to fight those fights, I'm probably going to be leaving to see what someone else is going to pay me because I think I'm worth more. And that's his job as a fighter. I don't blame him. You know, I had a, I had a lot of long talks with his dad, and uh, we talked about, you know, A.J. and his career and what, what he needs to do. A.J.'s in a great position. A.J., I believe, has just re-signed. Uh, he's ready to fight. It's just a matter of who are they going to put against him right now because I think A.J.'s in a position where he realizes, look, I'm getting not older – I'm growing up, and I'm growing out of the 145-pound division. I really think that he is. I think he's he's getting big. He's he's having to take a long time to lose the weight properly to make the weight at 145. You know that he's got to make it spot on at 145.0 or less, so he doesn't get that one-pound difference that you know really can help at times. So he's got to be very smart about how long is he going to fight at featherweight, and if he's going to fight at featherweight. Who do you want to put me against? Because I want it to be the biggest fight it can be. That's what he's looking for. I think then he's looking to go up to light to lightweight and see what he can do there. It's always a pleasure, my man. Enjoy life on the road when he gets back out there. January 29th, Bader versus Moldovsky. Thank you so much, my man, for joining us, bud. Hey, thank you for having me, Jimmy. Cannot wait. The fights are coming back. <laughs> Can't wait to see you, my man. Big John McCarthy. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Reeves. SiriusXM Podcasts.